Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Happy weekend, Saturday edition for you. Bringing in Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X-Factor. I am your host, Sky Guasco, of the TCK Pod, a.k.a. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. This is the episode 328. We're breaking down the Sunday early slate. You heard the Thursday game, the Saturday preview, the late Sunday slate. Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football with my man Chris Benavides filling in for Lucas Kaser this week. But today we got Bobby LaMarco in a little bit later in the week. Again, we've been saying this for the last month or two. It's no big deal. The world is upside down. We have to make some audibles, some changes, some Omahas, if you will. So we're uh, changing the schedule to uh, accommodate for everybody around the country. Bobby, let's bring you back in, man. Week 15 semifinals of the fantasy football playoffs. How did you do in week 14? Of course, most leagues kicked off the fantasy playoffs last week if you're still listening hopefully you've survived at least in one league to move on to the semis next week is the championship our goal here today is to help you with those early slates make the right decisions get into the fantasy championships and inevitably get that hashtag tck title bobby a how are you my brother b how did you do in week 14 in your uh, first round of your fantasy playoffs yeah, always a pleasure to be back on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me once again. I'm good. Um, I'm a little mixed emotions. Uh, fantasy football to me has always been a uh, <laughs> bittersweet. I, I love it so much, but it gives me it gives much pain. Uh, so a good story. I lost my team was stacked. I have a Dalvin Cook CMC team that I put together. I snuck into the playoffs. Now, the guy who in my league picked up Mike Davis back in like week four or whatever, had him on his roster the entire time. So I offered him multiple trades throughout the year, trying to get Mike Davis on my roster so I can handcuff CMC. And then he said, no, I'm going to keep riding with him, blah, blah, blah. So finally, playoffs come week 14. All reports during the week are happening. CMC is going to play. Well, sure enough. He drops Mike Davis because this guy has a first round bye and he thinks CMC's coming back. He drops Mike Davis. Now, literally the next day, CMC is rolled out. Well, a problem is I don't have any more fab. Guess who picks up Mike Davis, the guy I'm playing in B14? He starts Mike Davis and beats me by a handful of points. So not only did I lose by just a few points because he got to pick up Mike Davis, but he was starting Wayne Gallman in the flex, picks up Davis, puts him in, and ends up beating me by that, that amount. And it's just the, the worst feeling in the world knowing that the entire time I did everything I could. I was like, I reached out. But it was just like – I and I'm laughing because the guy, the guy I lost to was talking smack. And I'm like, dude, you got, you got so lucky. You'll never understand how lucky you just got that you got to pick 
an RB one, a top five RB on the week, like right before the game started because someone dropped him because of the news. So that was painful. The other story was I was down like almost 20 points heading into Monday, uh, the, the Ravens game. And uh, I had Lamar Jackson and he had Mark Andrews, Jarvis Landry and the Ravens DST. So I'm like, Oh, there's just no way. Well, there is a way. So Lamar drops like 40 in that league. I ended up winning by like two and a half points, like on the last plays of the game type stuff. It was, it was a roller coaster. So all the emotions I had on Sunday after losing because of Mike Davis, Lamar Jackson just like nursed me back to health again. So (laughs) I felt, I felt so like I was so tilting on Monday. I'm like, I can't believe I lost both these games. I was tilting so hard. And then Lamar Jackson takes it all the way back. I was like, this is, it's that's the crazy part about fantasy. It's just like that emotional roller coaster. But uh, what about you, man? How'd you do? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you advanced in one. That's great. Mm-hmm. I so I have uh, I have nine total leagues. Two of them are just rebuilding dynasty teams, so like they don't really count. I never thought they would be a competitor this year. I've you know they're like a 2022 type roster. I'm not worried about that. The other seven were my competitive rosters. Five of those made the playoffs. Three of those got a first round bye. So I had two game, two matches really that were in contention last week. One of them, um, I lost by two or three points overall. It was a team that I had all season long. I had a bunch of team, a bunch of guys injured. My running backs and stuff, Mixon, Mostert, uh, Chubb for a while, De- uh, Devontae Adams early on. Um, Ridley, like the team is stacked roster wise, but just dealt with injuries all season long. So I never really played a full roster kind of a thing. So I, I backed in in like the sixth seed. I played the third seed. I got waxed. I, I think only I only lost by four or five points overall, but um, just never really had a chance, honestly. So that team was out, unfortunately. Um, just kind of a bonus league I was playing in. One of the leagues I'm really passionate about, um, actually I ended up advancing, which is great. And uh, so I am in the semifinals in that one, I'm stoked. And then I get the three leagues, of course, coming in now that I had a first round buy of. So I've got four matches going on this week for the semifinals. And uh, I feel confident. I feel good about all my rosters, but it's also it's the semis, man. I'm either I'm either in <laughs> the finals or I stop just short, man. Like I'm always more nervous and, and I get your take on this. I'm more nervous this week. I just know I'm more nervous this week about getting into the finals than I'm going to be next week when I'm in the finals. Does that make sense? Cause like, I don't know. I feel like once you're in the finals, you're like minimum second place. And if you're in a money league, you're going to get your money back or whatever. It's cool. You're going to, or you win the whole thing. Like it's amazing this week. I, I'm like, dude, I'm like at the finish line, but not there. So, you know, I, I, I need to get in, get into the, uh, the finals. So like, I feel more nervous this week than, than I will next week. I don't know. No, man, I'm tilting throughout the playoffs. It doesn't matter. What <laughs> I am Just full tilt. Full anxiety. Oh my, I am months, literally yeah. looking, I'm, I'm in like 2016 stats to see if this running back did well against this team. And I hear I'm you, thick, and I'm trying to figure out any edge. It's just, I'm in the weeds so bad that, like I look like Doc from fucking uh, Back in the uh, Future, uh, you know, like it. losing my it. mind. So I'm full well, tilt. I'll, I'll say, I'll say, and, and just, to, you know, people listen to podcasts know that I'm uh, certainly not arrogant, uh, and I definitely don't brag about myself or my teams ever. I will say one call that I felt very, very good about and a pat on my back because I did a shit ton of research. Like you just said, I was like in the lab crunching numbers, like after hours kind of a thing. 
I picked up and I started the Dallas Cowboys defense yep. against the uh, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, which obviously panned out. But I started them over the Ravens defense. Wow. I've been I've been riding the Ravens defense all year long, but they're beat up, they're injured, yada yada. They haven't been playing well, but they were coming back healthy. And I just was like, eh. So I like look all over. I read all these articles. I'm reading like Dallas beat reporters. I Googled like Dallas D line versus Cincinnati O line. Like, what are the Cincinnati offensive line injuries? Like, what's the secondary for Dallas look like? The worst in the NFL. Oh my gosh, shit. So I'm <laughs> looking back and forth, dude. I went crazy. I finally slot in Dallas and um, they out. I mean, they scored like 18 points in the league I'm in and the Ravens scored zero because they gave up so many points and all that. So that was a difference maker. And I literally would have lost if I played the Ravens instead of the Cowboys with that difference. So that was one call on the week that was kind of like, you know, uh, against the grain that I made. And trust me, dude, the whole week I was just gut-wrenching also i have to give you a shout out because the other great call i made on the week was really your call and you and i talked about robert woods and this is non-ppr league we talked about robert woods and i inevitably sat him and again i was just gutless the whole game but <laughs> sure enough he scored three points in that league in a, again non-ppr scored three points i think i played curtis samuel over him and he ended up having like nine nothing crazy but six more points and again that plus the Dallas defense decisions inevitably pushed me over the top over right. other regular starters that I would have played any other time. So we talked about this last week. We'll talk about it today. You have to make some decisions that are going to like make you uncomfortable all weekend long, sit a name because it's not the name to play this week, right? This is not the time to be like, Oh, well, Robert Woods is good every week. Like fire him up. Okay. Against the jets this week. Absolutely. Against oh, the yeah. Patriots, maybe not. And that's when you dig deeper and you got to make those choices. That's what we're here to help you do this week. Bobby, let's crunch, man. Um, I'm glad you're Absolutely. advancing. I am stoked for the TCK Potters listening in right now who are advancing. Semifinals week, week 15. Let's get into it. We've got eight games to cover. We've got the morning slate of Sunday. We'll get right into it here with the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts. Good news is we have an immediate sample size from just two weeks ago of the Texans and the Colts. The Texans are four and nine Colts on the other side at nine and four in the top of the division with the Tennessee Titans. The Colts have won three of the last four games against Houston. So obviously these teams know each other well in the same division playing twice per season for Houston. At this point, you start Deshaun Watson. Now, a lot of question marks in this game in general, for me, you start Watson, you start JT and you start Hilton at this point who destroys the Texans. Question marks everywhere else for me. David Johnson activated from IR, played last week a little bit, should be better, should be coming out, no problem. Duke Johnson, on the other hand, probably going to be out for this game. Questionable with an ankle, not looking good. Brandon Cooks, out last week, possibly going to play this week, but also not looking good there. Kiki Hughty and Chad Hansen slotting in, blew up against the Colts. Hansen outpaced QT last week, though, and Aikens literally dropped a touchdown that hit him in the gut against the Bears because the sun was in his eyes. Otherwise, he would have had a better game last week. On the other right. side for the Colts, JT blew up. Of course, he's automatic at this point. Hilton career has destroyed the Texans. You fire him up. Phillip Rivers has looked very good. Not a high ceiling. Great floor. Naheem Hines, just 22 snaps of 61 snaps for the Colts last week. Are you comfortable with him? And the Pittman Jr., maybe Doyle. Um, with the other tight ends out again, Watson, JT Hilton for me, everybody else is a question mark. 
Yeah, so when you're looking at this matchup, the great thing is, like you just brought up, we did you a couple weeks ago, and it kind of went the way we thought it was. I mean, the, the Houston Texans' defense is so decimated by injuries, it's, a, it's an embarrassment now. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, 267-3 and three last week, is just the epitome of how bad this defense has become. Phillip Rivers got his two week, a few weeks ago, 285-2. and two. So I'm all in on the Colts' offense as a whole versus the Texans' defense. Now, the Indianapolis Colts' defense has not been as formidable as they were earlier in the season. So when I'm looking at this matchup, though, I kind of view it as it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor run game. They're going to be able to establish the run. Phil Rivers is going to do his, which is going to boost the, the pass volume for the Houston Texans as well. Now, when I'm looking at this, though, from the Texans side, you know, who really does beat the Colts is interior wide receivers. I mean, that's been the biggest beneficiary of this matchup. We saw it with Kiki QT just a couple weeks ago, eight for 141. I think he's right back on that flex radar for this game against the Houston, uh, the Colts because they're going to be able, they're going to have to throw a lot. They're going to be playing from behind. So I think that's great news for a guy like Kiki QT. Now, Brandon Cooks was the number three technically on the team in production in that game against the Colts. He had five for 65. I'm going right back to the well. You know, we see this all the time. You know, typically he did leave that game uh, with a head injury for a little bit. I think Cooks finally takes over as the number one. I think he finally himself. So I'm all in on Cooks and QT. Now, the good thing about a guy like Hanson, he has been very consistent. And I do think Deshaun Watson is going to put up his numbers. The last time these, these teams played, Watson had zero touchdowns, though. So he did have one rushing, so it kind of saved his fantasy day. It's hard to bank on rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks, but he's going to have plenty of volume. I think you got to play Deshaun Watson in this matchup. And I think you could play all three of the wide receivers because the Colts are very good against tight ends. Jordan Akins, Timmy Dan uh, Fells are not really in play. You know, Akins, like you said, dropped that touchdown last week, which is I played him in a matchup, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was watching that live, too, and I was like, no. You could see it go right into his eyes. But, yeah, so I think I'm comfortable with all three of these receivers in this matchup because Deshaun Watson's going to have to throw a lot in this game. And when I was reviewing the dropback data, the Indianapolis Colts are only 20th in dropbacks per game on defense over the last five weeks, but they're seventh in expectations. So they're just playing a lot of low-pass volume teams. But when they face a team that needs to throw, they get there. So I think Deshaun Watson's in play. I think there were all three receivers. I would, of course, go Cooks, QT, then Hanson in this matchup uh, based on the, the the opponent. Now, David Johnson, I think it's a nice little boost that Duke Johnson might be out for this game, and it looks that way. So based on what we're seeing in practice reports. Now, Deshaun Watson does not throw to the running backs consistently. That's been proven time and time again. But the last time these two teams played, there was nearly uh, – there was eight targets to the two running backs – and six receptions for 24 yards, not a lot of production. The Colts have been very good against pass catching running backs, but at the same time, I think that if you're just talking about David Johnson with no Duke, I think he's going to get a couple more targets. I think that puts him firmly on the flex radar and he's a solid low end RB two in this game because there's going to be plenty of production for both sides. Now, when you go flip to the other side for the Colts, this game, listen, T Y Hilton destroy play the narrative. It is so true. He destroys the Houston Texans. And I think you've got to keep rolling with T.Y. Hilton. He's found his stride. Of course, I drafted T.Y. Hilton. He did nothing for two months, and now he's doing great when you're eliminated from the playoffs in those leagues. But eight for 110 and won the last two time these two teams faced off. Paced the team in targets again over the last few weeks. I think you've got to roll with Hilton. I think he's probably one of the main must-starts in this game. The number one must-start is Jonathan Taylor. You know, he was completely dominant the last two time these two teams faced. 
13 carries, 91 yards. He also did some damage in the passing game, three receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. I think Jonathan Taylor is so good this week, you put him in your DFS lineups. So I'm definitely all in on Taylor. I'm definitely all in on Hilton. Now those ancillary players like Pittman and Hines, listen, I think that they're going to be able to take a lead and control this game. I think Deshaun Watson is going to be the one that has to throw. But at the same time, Pittman's an okay play. He's kind of fallen behind T.Y. Hilton now. And they throw to so many different players on this team. It's really tough to just drill down who's going to be the second option. So I think Pittman's at like a low-end wide receiver three because the matchup is so good. But I would definitely favor Hilton just how the way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks. Now, Hines, I you're always playing with fire with Hines because he doesn't get a lot of touches. He, you know, he flirts with about 10. And against a really bad team, you know, it's possible he does well. But remember, he only had 32 yards in the game against the, the Houston Texans last time, but he did find the end zone. So you're playing with a little bit of fire in PPR leagues. I'm okay with Hines, but I think in standard formats, I'd probably fade him and favor uh, Jonathan Taylor in this matchup. Now the tight ends, Mo Alley Cox was a DMP on Thursday. And if he's out, that does really kind of narrow down the focus for Trey Burton and, and Doyle. But it, listen, if you're going to get really cute here and you're going to play anybody, you're going to have to play Trey Burton. He's getting the most consistent targets of those guys. So I would definitely say to myself, I'm probably avoiding that that because even with Mo Ali Cox, Trey Bird, and Jack Doyle a couple of weeks ago, they combined for like five receptions in like 50 yards. So I still think it's going to be the wide receivers and Jonathan Taylor to dominate in this game. So I wouldn't get too cute. But if you find yourself in a big time hole, you could definitely find yourself with Trey Burton if he plays in this matchup. A couple things. Trey Burton did not practice on Wednesday either. So there could be a chance that Mo Alley Cox and Trey Burton are out. Therefore, Jack Doyle would be the Lone Ranger left. Uh, Naheem Hines has the second easiest matchup. Well, I guess the Texans give up the second most fantasy points to running back. So we know that that's going to obviously benefit Jonathan Taylor for the most part, but Naheem Hines also could potentially benefit. I'm with you PPR specific for him. And if I can fade, I'm going to off of uh, Naheem Hines, two great games this year, but it's basically been two, two touchdown games. Otherwise he's been middle of the road and frankly, unstartable in most cases um, for T Y Hilton. I wrote this up in my, uh, waiver wire column and listeners who listened into my ballers and sellers and waiver wire column uh, earlier this week have heard this already, but quickly, I want to just kind of reiterate Bobby, how much T Y Hilton has actually smashed on the Texans. He's played 18 career games. One of those was a playoff game in those 18 career games. He has at least five targets in every single game and nearly 100 receptions. He has 98 career receptions versus the Texans alone. He also has eight games with 100-plus receiving yards, and he's racked up 11 touchdowns, including one two weeks ago. So T.Y. Hilton has been absolutely unusable all season long until the last three weeks. And now, in my opinion, he's absolutely pretty much bona fide must-start territory, especially against the Texans. So fire him up there if you've waited. And frankly, people probably picked him up from the waivers at this point. Chad right. Hansen playing that Will Fuller role, so he's the deeper threat. I also like Kiki QT playing in the slot there. And if Brandon Cooks is out, it's one of those weird situations where we saw this with Tyler Boyd his first year or two with the Bengals when A.J. Green was still A.J. Green. Some of these receivers who are number twos before they become number ones, they're better when the number one is on the field, right? Because it takes away that number one cornerback and safety, whatever. I think Kiki Cutie's better when 
Cooks is actually on the field versus when he's the bona fide one. We'll see what happens there. But going to be an interesting game. Stoked for that one with the AFC South. And uh, obviously the Colts in must-win territory to stay alive in the playoff hunt. Texans looking to play spoiler. All right. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. This one was supposed to be Sunday night football. Of course, they got rid of it because these teams are trash, unfortunately. I'm a <laughs> lifetime lifetime 49er fan, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eat it this year. Uh, we had our run last year. Five and eight for the 49ers, four and nine for the Cowboys. The Cowboys have won four of the last six games over the 49ers. This one was supposed to be Sunday night football. They flex it out. We instead get the Giants and the Browns. I know you're a Giants fan. Shouts out to you. Uh, but Giants and Browns over the Niners and Cowboys preseason. Don't think anyone would have expected that. For the 49ers, most likely no Raheem Mostert. If not, Jeff Wilson Jr., my man, absolute start in my opinion. Also, no Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk has been absolutely on fire. You play him. Kittle is activated. I know people are getting excited about it. Most likely not going to play this week. Could play next week if you're listening and he's still available on your waiver wires because people dropped him five weeks ago. Why not <clears throat> pick him up, stash him on your IR, see if he's available. If he plays in the championship, Bobby, we'll talk about it next week, obviously. But if he plays in the championship, I'm playing George Kittle over everybody not named Darren Waller or uh, Travis Kelsey. For Dallas, any auto starts at this point? I know it's crazy to think with this offensive firepower, but Amari Cooper maybe. Andy Dalton, Superflex, Zeke, Lamb, Gallup, Schultz. Is there anybody you're comfortable with uh, in Dallas at this point? And uh, how do you feel about Jeff Wilson Jr. and Ayuk with uh, Mostert most likely out and no Debo? So this game, uh, the one thing I do worry about is both these teams are going to try to run the football with their, their, their horses. So Zeke Elliott and then, of course, San Francisco with whatever it's Mostert and Wilson, just Wilson. So when I'm looking at just drop back data for these teams, they're both with on the bottom five when it comes to not only uh, pat dropbacks per game, but also an expectation. So it just tells me that, listen, San Francisco is going to be able to establish the run. So I love Jeff Wilson in this game. I, I would definitely try to get him into your lineups if you can. Um, I'm debating on starting him over Chris Carson. That's how much I'm high on Jeff Wilson with Mostert banged up. And if Mostert's out, I think he becomes nearly a must start pretty much across the board against a Dallas team that just two weeks ago got completely destroyed by the Ravens on the ground. Now the Cincinnati Bengals last week could not do much, but Williams, their backup running back for Giovanni Bernard had almost 50 yards on just 12 catches. Even though the production didn't, you couldn't see it on the surface. I mean, Cincinnati still ran for over a hundred yards against Dallas last week in a game where they trailed 30 to seven. So I do think San Francisco is going to be able to take a lead in this game. I'm, I'm definitely going to pick later on the, on the podcast. I'm going to pick San Francisco to win. So I do believe that you're going to see a lot of Jeff Wilson. I'm definitely favoring the ground game in this one. And then outside of that, listen, Nick Mullins, you can say what you want about Nick Mullins, but he's serviceable enough to make players, to keep good players afloat. So Brandon Ayuk, at least he knows where to go with the football. 16 targets when Debo went out early with that injury last week. 16 targets, 10 receptions, 119 yards. And I think you got to keep rolling. The Dallas Cowboys just allowed a solid performance to A.J. Green, 6 for 62-1. and one. They're not really imposing against wide receivers this season. They've been more of a product of game flow. So when they have to face good players, they typically get dominated because they don't have true top-end corners on that defense. So Brandon Ayuk, Jeff Wilson are the only two guys I'm really interested in starting from a fantasy standpoint this week in this matchup. Now on the other side for the Dallas Cowboys. So 
this is what I thought was notable. Zeke Elliott has not practiced yet this week. He's been DMP back to back. You should definitely pick up Tony Pollard and see if that's a thing. If, if, if Elliott is ruled out or limited at all, we can see definitely see more Tony Pollard in this matchup. He could definitely be on the flex radar, especially if Zeke is out with those back-to-back DMPs. But when you're looking at who beats the 49ers, typically it's pass-catching running backs and slot-wide receivers. Now, interior guys. So I do believe that when you're looking at that, that leans more to CeeDee Lamb. When you have guys like Richard Sherman on the outside, we do see a lot more production get funneled into the middle. We just saw Terry McLaurin, very, very slow game, two receptions for 24 yards against the San Francisco 49ers. That doesn't get me too excited to start Amari Cooper, but Cooper is the number one. He continues to operate. I just think he's more of a flex play this week. I don't. Th- I think he's going to finish outside the top 24 wide receivers because even last week he only had four receptions for 51 yards, but he did find the end zone in that game. I think C.D. Lamb could be the one that kind of finds himself also on the flex radar. I think they're actually closer to a 1A and 1B in this type of game because just the way the San Francisco defense prioritizes the wide receivers and how they cover them. So that's how I feel about those two guys. I think outside of that, I'm not going to get cute in this game and play Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. I think if Zeke's in, of course, you're playing Zeke. If Zeke's out, I'm playing Tony Pollard. And I think Cooper and Lamb are both flex plays in this matchup, but nothing more. The Cowboys are giving up the 12th most fantasy points to quarterbacks in general. Andy Dalton, his uh, revenge game back against the uh, Bengals last week, um, did have a decent game. And basically the, the Bengals are just horrendous. And the defense, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, destroyed them. But from my man, Nick Mullins, and look, I, I've been tongue-in-cheek for Nick Mullins for two years, basically just because I'm anti-Jimmy Garoppolo, which is another conversation later. But I've basically been saying that Nick Mullins is at least – Jimmy Garoppolo in general, if this kid a had a full roster of healthy players and B had the confidence from everybody in the organization that he was the starter, I think he'd be at least Jimmy Garoppolo. I rest my case. What I'm saying is two weeks ago against Buffalo, uh, Nick Mullins did go over 300 yards for three touchdowns. He was the number 11 quarterback on the week in another plus matchup in week eight versus Seattle. He was 238 and two QB 16, 18 fantasy points. What I'm saying is in plus matchups, even if the Niners can run, he's kind of like a Ryan Tannehill. The Niners are going to run. We know that. But like Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill, he'll work off the play action, can get some bigger plays. Brandon Ayuk is playing out of his mind right now. He does utilize the running backs out of the backfield, the tight ends, whoever it may be. I think if you're in a spot start in a super flex two QB league, you could do worse than Nick Mullins, in my opinion. Washington's front, uh, front four on defense is arguably the best in the league outside of Pittsburgh. So they're going to destroy everybody, especially young quarterbacks and beat up offensive lines. So he struggled last week, but against Dallas, I think he could be okay. So just a, a random super deep dark throw. If you needed it um, for somebody to stream, potentially if you're in a super flex uh, struggle, I get a few messages every single week of people asking me, like, I know this is silly. Um, I'm really hurting. Mention this guy. So every once in a while, I like to take a deeper dive because there are people who have very strong teams overall, but they have one player or two where they're playing like an RB five because they have to, and we got to, we got to cover some of those guys too. So, all right, Cowboys and 49ers in the books, excuse me. Let's get into the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington football team. This one's going to be really interesting, man. I think this is gonna be a great, just NFL football game. Um, Nine and four Seahawks, six and seven Washington football team, leading the division, still in the playoff hunt. And frankly, Alex Smith and Ron Rivera have turned this franchise around completely. 
Uh, Washington has won seven of the last eight games versus Seattle. That's insane. I'll say it again. Washington, obviously, previously uh, a different team name, won seven of the last eight games versus Seattle. Now, they don't play every season, but clearly this defense and overall this team has had Russell Wilson's number. This game is in uh, Maryland as well, so a cross-country road trip for the Seattle Seahawks. Great pass rush against Russell Wilson. We'll see what happens. For Seattle, I still think you start DK Metcalf. He's automatic no matter what at this point. Honest question, though, Bobby, in single quarterback leagues, are you comfortable with Russell Wilson here as a bona fide top eight position? He is almost a sit of the week for me just because I'm nervous because I've seen what Washington has done to every other quarterback this year. Chris Carson, Tyler Lockett, also question marks for me in otherwise automatic starts. For Washington, you start Terry McLaurin. How do you feel about J.D. McKissick and, and um, uh, Barber with Alex Smith being out in this game? So Dwayne Haskins getting the start. That's great for Terry McLaurin. How do we feel about the running backs, especially J.D. McKissick and PPR out of the backfield? And then how about your boy Logan Thomas? And are you comfortable starting the dominant Washington DST? So, um, you know, when I'm looking at this game, the, the huge curveball is Alex Smith being out. Alex Smith really kind of rise the tide for everyone because he's able to move the football, put up points. That just helps from fantasy perspective for both teams. Dwayne Haskins, not so much. And Seattle's defense has really turned a corner over the last couple of weeks. Now, granted, they face the Jets and the Giants, and that's not really saying much. But at the same time, they have been much more uh, productive on defense. So that's really kind of affected some of the, you know, slam dunk plays. We thought Der- Terry McLaurin was a, a slam dunk against them a couple weeks ago. We thought, we thought they'd be a slam dunk a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm sorry. He's playing them this week. Uh, what I meant to say is like last week when we were watching the Jets game, that was a complete debacle against the Seattle Seahawks. But when I'm looking at this game, you know, the Seattle defense is a major pass funnel defense. So it's much easier to beat them through the air on the ground now, they are fifth in dropbacks per game over the last five, but they're sixth in expectation. So that that is some good news for Dwayne Hassens. He is going to have to throw the football a decent amount. And early on in the season, he did start four games, and McLaurin had two very solid games with Haskins. So I guess there is some room for optimism there. But at the same time, it is a little concerning overall for these guys. Now, for the Washington football team, they're actually, they're actually a little bit – they're very good against both run and pass. They're actually top ten in DVOA versus both of them in success rate but they are much more vulnerable on the ground than they are through the air, but they are third in dropbacks over the last few weeks and third in expectations. So that means that they're, they're seeing a lot of dropbacks and they're also seeing a lot more than they should have. So that is some good news for this passing game for the Seattle Seahawks. Cause that could help. The only thing I worry about is if Haskins cannot score points, it could be another giants and jets game, which means that Russell Wilson will not need to throw that much. And we have seen the production come down for these guys. I mean, Tyler Lockett has not been, even a wide receiver three over the last couple of weeks, because they haven't been, they don't need to score a lot of points and that's probably going to happen again. Unfortunately, I, I do think that you're going to have to start auto start DK Metcalf. So I'm looking at the Seattle Seahawks and how you beat the Washington football team outside wide receivers completely dominate the Redskins. We just saw Brandon Ayuk 10 receptions for 119 yards in that matchup. I think you've got to roll with DK. I think he's going to smash. There is no true outside corner that can keep up, keep up with him. It does get a little bit of a question mark, Tyler Lockett, to me, is kind of an uninspiring wide receiver three in this matchup. I think he'll be fine. The good news for Tyler Lockett is the Washington football team secondary is okay against tight ends and pass-catching running backs. They are a little bit more vulnerable to wide receivers as a whole. So I do think Tyler Lockett is a fine wide receiver three, but I think DK Metcalf is the only smash 
top 24 wide receiver in this matchup. This is how things are going lately. Uh, as for Chris Carson, I think he is a auto star. I think you have to get him in your lineups as well. I just talked about how I am debating him versus Jeff Wilson. That is kind of my conundrum in one league. But Chris Carson should be fine. I think one thing I will say about Chris Carson, though, is he did establish himself as the top RB. The end result of last week looks like Carlos Hyde. Um, had, he did have more carries, but that all came in a blowout. That came all in the fourth quarter. They actually sat their starters with three minutes left in the third quarter. That is unheard <laughs> of. That is unheard of. That never happens. Um, it's like a it's like a YM, it's like a YMCA mercy rule or something. Yeah, it was. And I had a player prop by the way with locket receptions, and they pulled him. He had five, and it was five and a half, and I lost my mind. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a lock. It was. It, it's insane. So that that's crazy. But just to show how dominant they were last week. But I think Chris. Chris Carson clearly was the lead back early on in that football game. So I'm all in on Chris Carson. I'm all in on DK Metcalf for this matchup. I think Lockett's still a wide receiver three, but I'm still a little skeptical that they're going to need to throw that much. And like we touched on, is Russell Wilson a top eight quarterback? I don't think so. I think he's definitely a fringe QB one in this game. We've seen over the last couple of weeks, he hasn't really had to do much. I mean, against the Giants and the Jets. So I think that, I mean, Wilson had a bunch of touchdowns last week, but he only threw for like 200 yards or so. So I do believe that he's going to get enough production to still be a borderline QB one, but I'm not putting him in my DFS lineups in this, this week. As for the Washington football team, listen, we did touch on the fact that McLaurin did have some productive games with Haskins early on in the season. They both went to Ohio state together. They do have that college connection. So I'm not worried about McLaurin, you know, over the last two weeks, he hasn't looked great. And Seattle has turned the corner a little bit against wide receivers they held down Sterling Shepard Darius Slayton just a couple weeks ago and then they completely shut out the Jets which you know I mean gets pat in your back right but maybe they're just good against New York I don't know but um I think Terry McLaurin listen he's a flex play for me this week they don't have any notable corners that could slow down Terry McLaurin uh, on the outside so I think I'm going to be okay with rolling with McLaurin especially because he does have that connection with Haskins I think Logan Thomas it listen Seattle's average against the tight end, but you know, when you're dealing with really good safeties like Diggs and Adams, I'm not overly excited for Logan Thomas. I think he's going to be fine. He's a low end tight end when he had six receptions for 43 yards last week against the 49ers who are very good against tight end. So I think you're, you can, you could probably still play Logan Thomas. He's been very consistent all year. Now for the running backs, I mean, even Peyton Barber's a little banged up now, apparently. And I think, you know, Antonio Gibson's not going to play. So I think from that perspective, J.D. McKissick technically has a great matchup. The one thing that the Seattle Seahawks are very bad against pass catching running backs. Um, they allow a lot of production there. So I do believe J.D. McKissick is going to be able to get something going a little bit in the passing game. But the problem is that was Alex Smith's thing. He loved checking down to J.D. McKissick. You know, Dwayne Haskins doesn't do it as much, but he still had four targets last week overall in that game. That was third on the team. So I think J.D. McKissick to me in PPR leagues is on the flex radar. But overall, I'm not too excited for anybody. I think Seattle's defense, believe it or not, could be in play in this matchup. How do you feel about the Washington DST? Russell Wilson just hasn't been making mistakes. And, you know, when he doesn't he make mistakes. a lot, though. I know. He, he, doesn't, does. he doesn't make mistakes, and he's smart. And I, in a football sense, it makes sense to do what he does, which is drop back in the pocket. And if he doesn't scramble, he basically runs back to – almost a line of scrimmage and he just kind of does his little like baseball slide fall and it, they counted a sack, but he and Deshaun Watson for scramblers and as good as they are at moving the pocket, they get sacked a lot. And in fantasy, 
you know, if you rack up two, three, four, five sacks, uh, those are points that make up for what Seattle may put up against you point wise. Um, I think DS, I think the Washington DST is a, 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 not a smash by any means, but certainly startable even against Seattle because they're at home. Yeah. I think it's the same as the giants. You know, we saw the giants defense, they only allowed 17 points. They actually got nine, like in your typical standard format, got about nine points. They had five sacks in that game, an interception. Um, so I do think that you're going to see some type of production similar to the Giants, what they were able to pull off. But just keep in mind, James Bradbury it was able to keep up with DK Metcalf. And Metcalf had five receptions for 80 yards in that game, which is fine. But that's not DK Metcalf numbers. And I just don't think the Washington football team has that corner that can slow down DK enough. So you're going to see a lot more production from him. I think that's going to help Russell Wilson a little bit more, um, maybe get more than just one touchdown like he had against the Giants. Fair enough. I like it. Quick note, uh, and then we'll move on. Um, Russell Wilson has been a QB1, so at least a QB12 or higher, just twice over the last one, two, three, four, five, six games. So keep that in mind. Tyler Lockett has been a wide receiver two, so wide receiver 24 or better just once in the last seven games. So yeah. Tyler Lockett can go for 203 as we saw versus the Cardinals, but he is not being uh, played as a consistency. And clearly DK Metcalf is the number one there in Seattle. Okay. Moving on. Let's go to the Detroit lions and the Tennessee Titans. It's King Henry season as we know, uh, mm -hmm. but I guess it's question marks all around here for the rest of this game here. The lions come in at five and eight with Maybe not having Matt Stafford. This one can get ugly quickly. And the Titans at nine and four, again, up at the top of the AFC South with the Colts. The Titans have 35 points per uh, game since week 11. That's the most in the NFL during that time. When we look at the Lions, again, you start Hawkinson. I think he's the only automatic, in my opinion, right now. Um, Stafford, if he plays, I think you fire him up. If not, it's Chase Daniel who is a decent NFL backup, but not a fantasy option, in my opinion. DeAndre Swift did play 11 total touches, 50 total yards in the touchdown last week. But again, not that explosion game. AP carry on still getting work there. Galladay's out still. And Marvin Jones Jr. should be automatic as well. But again, just kind of a, a toss up there as your wide receiver three, maybe a flex. On the Tennessee side, Derrick Henry, clearly DFS, you pay the 9,500 or whatever the hell he is. Um, just because your opponent's going to, so you might as well be a part of the team. And then A.J. Brown, I think, is a, a weekly automatic as well. Tannehill should be too, but I'm worried about game script a little bit. I talked to Chris Benavides about this a little bit on the previous podcast. Like, if Henry goes for 30 touches and 400 yards and six touchdowns, there may not be a lot left for Tannehill. So we'll see what happens. Corey Davis and then whoever that tight end is in for uh, Tennessee as well. So how do you feel in general about the Lions and the Titans? So this game, listen, I think it really does ride on Stafford. I think Stafford will really help boost the value of the fringe guys like Corey Davis, for example. You know, your Marvin Jones to me, like TJ Hawkinson, those guys, I think it is going to be tough to really trust them uh, with Chase Daniel. Now, like you just touched on, Chase Daniel is a serviceable quarterback. He has put up some nice performances, so I do believe he's going to do enough to keep some guys afloat. But that being said, when I'm looking at this team from a dropback perspective, you know, the Tennessee Titans are top five in expectation and also sixth overall in a major, major pass funnel defense. So if Stafford's in this game, I'm really excited to play a lot of these guys in this matchup. 
Now, when I'm looking at the other side, Detroit, they're kind of average across the board, but they're so banged up on the defensive line in the secondary. They have not been great. Even though they did hold down Aaron Jones last week to only 70 yards, 69 yards rushing on 15 carries, which is kind of surprising. You would expect a lot more production from Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams combined was just over 100 yards, which is fine, but you're expecting explosion game from those guys. But now when I'm looking at this game overall for the Lions versus the Titans defense, I, I want Stafford in. And if Stafford is in, I'm the one thing I will say is Marvin Jones will be shadowed probably by Ma- Malcolm Butler. So one of the things that I kind of went over my head is last week I was a little bit high on DJ Chark because the Titans have been so bad at, in their secondary. But the problem is they do have one cornerback that actually is pretty decent when he's used to shadow, and that's Malcolm Butler. And he shadowed DJ Chark, and he shut down Chark. And then, you know, LaVicious Chenault had a nice game, and there's a couple other Jaguars that had some production. So I think that's something that needs to be monitored for Marvin Jones in this game because Marvin Jones struggles. Last week he faced Jair Alexander. He only had four for 48 in that game on eight targets. This week, you could see Malcolm Butler because Kenny Galladay is looking doubtful for this game. So that should help other receivers in this game. Danny Amendola, for example, could be a PPR asset in a, in a flex range uh, for if Stafford's in. And I really do like – I think Hawkinson, to me, is the only slam dunk in the passing game. You know, he was very consistent. And and overall, the Titans can be beat by tight ends. You know, we did see in the last week they faced the Jaguars. So, unfortunately – there isn't really much to hang your hat on for that game. But like I did touch on, though, those other receivers, Keelan Cole and LaVicious Sano, both had 13 receptions for over 100 yards and a score last week on 23 targets. So while, you know, DJ Chark was getting blanketed by Malcolm Butler, the other guys produced. So that might be something that's worth monitoring, um, especially if if Kenny Galladay's out, Marvin Jones getting shadowed. I think Hawkinson and Amendola could be like a sleeper PPR play if you need them. On the other side of the ball – well, I guess let's talk about the running back. Sorry, DeAndre Swift to me. Listen, he had this very, he had a very serious concussion. I mean, all concussions are kind of the same in the sense of uh, severity, but at the same time, he actually had a lot of symptoms and he was kind of not right for a couple of weeks. And there was a couple of reports that came out. So I think they eased him back in a little bit, but I'm all, I'm all in on DeAndre Swift. I just think he's too involved overall in the pass game and as a runner. Uh, and I think he's going to get back closer to full strength this game. And I think that's the only way they're going to stay close. I think Chase Daniel, I would have to definitely do more, more research being full disclosure about how he does with running backs. But I would su- suggest that he probably is going to use lean on Swift a lot, especially if Galladay's out again. On the other side, I mean, Henry, geez, man. I mean, 26 carries, 250 yards, and two touchdowns. We don't need to talk about him. He's in. But Detroit might be one of the worst run defenses in football. Prior to last week, they got gashed on the ground. So I think Henry's a must start. I think where you start getting a little bit worried about is like you brought up, is there going to be enough volume? And it's the problem is it seems like AJ Brown and Corey Davis cannot produce together. It seems like one's up, one's down, keeps going back and forth. I listen, I always tend to lean with the stud and that's AJ Brown. I think Corey Davis is good, but I think in this matchup, AJ Brown's my only lock for like a top 24, but I think Corey Davis, this matchup is too good to fade him. I think he's still a wide receiver three flex. We saw Marcus Valdez Scantling get his last week, six for 85 and one on the outside, along with Devontae Adams. So I'm okay with starting those guys. Now the tight end position to me, I've brought this up multiple times. I just don't think there's going to be enough pieces of the pie. I think AJ Brown's your guy. Then it's Corey Davis. Then it was last week. It was golf Swain that got the touchdown and John Smith didn't do much. I'm not trying to play that game in the second round of the playoffs. So I think for this matchup, I'm sticking with the studs, Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, 
and Corey Davis. Now the question is, do you play Tannehill? I think Tannehill is very similar to last week. If if it's if it's Chase Daniel, I think Tannehill's a 200 and 225 and two guy. You take that for what it's worth. If Stafford is in, you might have a shot for a little extra shot in the arm for that that offense. So I think I would actually start Tannehill if Stafford is in. Excellent. So my thoughts are I'm going up against Derrick Henry in one league and, and I'm playing him in another. So this is the beauty of being in a bunch of leagues in fantasy football, because inevitably you go up against your guys. That's just how it goes. Right. So you're rooting for them, but you're not rooting for them. And it's this weird kind of like toggle of, do you want them to do well and not do well, but you don't want them to crash and blah, blah, blah. My thought process is if you're going against Derrick Henry, this is what you're hoping for. You're hoping he has a first quarter of like six touches, probably a, like, I don't know, 80, 100 yards, and maybe like two touchdowns right off the bat. And the Lions can't score. Tannehill gets one or two, and this game's just over in the first half. So then they pretty much like milk or sit Derrick Henry waiting for a playoff push. That's really your only hope. If you're looking for Derrick Henry points, you're hoping Chase Daniel accidentally gets two or three touchdowns to keep this game competitive so that Derrick Henry keeps getting fed. Because if Henry plays four quarters, he's going to get 30 touches. He's going to probably get 200 yards, which is insane to actually predict for a player. But Derrick Henry is the guy to do that with and multiple touchdowns. So in my opinion, Derrick Henry is either going to get all of his work immediately and have like 15, 20 fantasy points and be done for the day. Or <laughs> he's going to play the entire game and have like 40. So uh, wishing the best for everybody on either side of the fence for however you're rooting or rooting against Derrick Henry. All right, Bobby, <laughs> we're running late. We're running late today. No big deal. We do have four games left. It's week 15. It's the semifinals of fantasy football. We need to get these games in. We're going to get these games in. I want to get through them a little bit quicker. But I do want to just encourage the uh, TCK Potters right now, if you're listening, we're halfway through kind of a longer episode today. But again, it's a very important week here. We want to make sure we get you all of this in-depth information. So, Bobby, why don't we take a quick commercial break? If you want to pause the podcast quick, get yourself a water, reset yourself. Feel free to do that. Bobby, why don't you go ahead and uh, give your um, all of your links, where you write, what you do. Let's give a quick commercial break here for the TCK Potters. We'll catch our breath, get into the next four games. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, also on Twitter at FFX Factor. I write a shadow coverage report article going through the toughest wide receiver cornerback matchups of the week on football.rasball.com. And I also write an opportunities analysis highlighting some sleeper players every week on Saturday for expandthebockscore.com. It's, it's pretty impressive, man, your work. I mean, I've loved having you on the podcast. I know the TCK Potters have as well. As I told you before we started recording, I have listeners reaching out to me and our DMs about you and, and analysis, or they took your take and rode with it and, and did well. So I appreciate your time, obviously, with the podcast, but your other work as well, your writing and how you break down the actual in-depth matchups is really important for fantasy football, and it's super valuable. You and I could sit here and have a 20-minute podcast to be like, all right, Lions – Lions Titans, right? Like start Lions if Stafford plays, don't if he doesn't, start Henry, start AJ Brown, sit the other guys, whatever, and move on. But we go really in depth here, uh, intentionally, and, and I just really appreciate how in depth you go. And I know the amount of work and time and energy it takes to gather the information that you dispel and you put out a take in about five minutes on the podcast. But I know that that five minutes for you took an hour 
per game to like research and develop and, and crunch numbers. So I appreciate you, man. And um, I know the TCK Potters do as well. So thank you for being a part of us this season. We got four games left, brother. Let's crush these out here. We'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Now, these are divisional rivals as well. They play twice a year. However, crazy scheduling this year. We're in week 15. They have not played each other yet. They're actually going to play each other in two weeks. So like the Colts and the Texans, they're playing each other twice in three weeks. So it's pretty uncommon to be in week 15 and not have a sample size of a divisional rival. But here we are. Buccaneers 8-5, and five, Falcons 4-9, Battle of Super Bowl 51, uh, excuse me, 41. Um, uh, quarterbacks, right? Tom Brady and, and Matt Ryan. Obviously, the, the Patriots came back on the Falcons and yada, yada. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting game here. There's no Julio Jones, of course, uh, in your fantasy semifinals for the Falcons, which is a bummer. But Brady's kind of hit or miss this week. He has been playing well. Um, he's been a top 10 quarterback most of the season without top 10 matchups, which is impressive. But we'll see what happens here. In my opinion, to start Brady, the Falcons are the worst. Seahawks are no longer the worst first quarterbacks and receivers. It is now the Falcons, so congratulations to the Falcons. Falcons are worst first quarterbacks. You start Brady, in my opinion. How do you feel about all three of these receivers? Are you comfortable with any of them? How do you feel about them? And then Fournette is going to be the guy. Ronald Jones on the COVID IR now. Are you comfortable with, with uh, Leonard Fournette? Against the Falcons, who are surprisingly seventh best against running backs on the ground. So that's actually an interesting stat when you think about the Falcons and how terrible they are in defense. They're actually pretty good against running backs on the ground. And then Gronk, I think, is automatic. Again, just being a tight end, maybe only one catch for four yards, but could always get that touchdown, of course. On the other side for Atlanta, no Julio Jones. So you start Calvin Ridley anyway, but gets a bump without him. The question marks are going to be Matt Ryan, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, these running backs, Gurley or otherwise. For me personally, man, I'll make it quick on my side. I start Ridley no matter what. I'm sitting other Falcons against uh, Tampa Bay, even at home. Yeah. Um, you know, so this this game is interesting because both these defenses are pass funnel defenses. So they both are extremely good against the run and they're much worse against the pass. Tampa Bay is first in dropbacks per game on defense and first and second in expectations. So teams have just been throwing against them a lot. Now, they did come out of the bye last week and look pretty good on defense. And Kirk Cousins, for what it's worth, they, they took away the receivers. They took away Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. They only combined for seven receptions for about 78 yards last week. It was the tight ends that got all the production. Irv Smith, uh, Conklin, you know, those were the guys that produced against Tampa last week. I don't know if that was a scheme change by uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks de defense, but, you know, you know, the, who's the defensive coordinator? Uh, Todd Bowles is, is a great defensive mind. I think they're trying to figure it out. But with Julio out, that means Charlton Davis can shadow Ridley. Now, listen, Ridley last week was shadowed briefly by Casey Hayward. He still got his. But remember, his big play, his touchdown, came on a trick play from Russell Gage throwing a touchdown. Um, overall, after that, it, it was still good. Seven receptions, about 75 yards against a very good, you know, Chargers corners. But, you know, listen – for some reason, the scheme, I can say, listen, you're going to start Ridley. He's a, he's definitely on your starter radar. I just, you know, I got, I was wrong last week about Ridley. I thought he was a wide receiver three flex. He ended up playing very well, but it came on a trick play. I think Charlton Davis is going to shadow Ridley. I think he's going to be fixated on Ridley. I think that makes Ridley more of a flex play for me this week in this matchup. So when I'm looking at the Falcons, you know, I am interested in the tight end position a little bit. We saw what Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin did last week. 
nine receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I think Hayden Hurst would be the main person that benefits from that, especially with Julio out, Ridley facing a lot of Charlton Davis. Now, slot receivers have not been great against uh, the Tampa Bay defense. They've been very good. Not sure exactly why, <laughs> but uh, they don't really have a notable slot corner or anything, but they've been very good at stopping interior wide receivers. So that might definitely make Russell Gage less of at 582 last week was very good. I mean, he did it against a very notable slot corner in Chris Harris. So I guess you can still roll with Russell Gage because they're not going to be able to ball against this Tampa Bay defense. They're going to have to throw a lot. Matt Ryan's going to see, you know, his usual 35 plus attempts. I think if Ridley slowed down in any way against Charlton Davis, I think Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst could definitely benefit from that in the game, especially because they have not used the running backs a lot in the passing game. On the other side of the ball, listen, no Ronald Jones is big news for a guy like Leonard Fournette. Uh, am I running out to start run Leonard Fournette in this matchup? Absolutely not. Atlanta gets crushed through the air. I think Tampa Bay is going to be able to beat them across the board. Now, a notable corner, Denzel Adarkas Denard, who's the number two corner for the Atlanta Falcons, is out. What they've been doing is using A.J. Terrell, their rookie cornerback, to shadow top wide receivers. I know I'm long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're supposed to go quick. But A.J. Terrell shadows number ones now. So that could be Mike Evans in this game. Chris Godwin, to me, is a lock, must-start player in this matchup. But Atlanta overall, A.J. Terrell's a rookie. Mike Evans is a big physical receiver. I think he's good. He's in. I think you're playing a guy like Chris Godwin. Now, when you're getting to a guy like Antonio Brown, he's just like an uninspiring PPR play. I think he gets you five receptions, which is great. Got you about, you know, 9.9 points in half point, uh, in full point PPR last week. So I think this matchup is still good. I think you could definitely play him as a wide receiver three in PPR formats if you need to start Antonio Brown. But who I really like is Rob Gronkowski. You just touched on one reception for two yards and a touchdown last week, but that's all that counts. But Atlanta has been getting gashed by tight ends all season. They allowed six receptions last week to Hunter Henry. So I do think Rob Gronkowski is also in play in this matchup. So for the Tampa Bay Bucks, I'm all in on Tom Brady. I think he's a great play in this game. I think if you have him, you're starting him. I think if you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you're playing them, and Rob Gronkowski. I think Leonard Fournette, to me, could fall into the end zone. There's going to be scoring opportunities. If you need a RB3 or a flex in a deeper league, I think you could start Leonard Fournette with Ronald Jones out. Tom Brady is my quarterback start of the week and Matt Ryan is my sit of the week wow. in this, just in general this week. So it happened to be in the same game, Matt Ryan over the last 22 games with Julio Jones playing Matt Ryan has 31 touchdowns and seven interceptions in five games over that time without Julio Jones, Ryan has six touchdowns and 10 interceptions since the Atlanta bye week in week 10, Ryan has finished QB 26, 17, 26 and 28. Julio did play in two of those games. So Matt Ryan's been unstartable in general with or without Julio recently. So even though the Bucs are middle of the road, like 15th against fantasy quarterbacks, I'm still fading Matt Ryan if I can. Obviously, again, this that always comes down to single quarterback leagues. Matt Ryan is a super flex two quarterback start, of course, but single quarterback leagues, I would fade him if I possibly can. Okay, but let's uh, move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Baltimore Ravens. One and twelve for the Jags, eight and five for the Ravens. Incredible game Monday night, obviously, uh, with the return of uh, Lamar Jackson, last minute touchdown there, um, and then the uh, the safety to boot after the Justin Tucker touchdown. The Baltimore Ravens have scored thirty four plus points in two straight games, so clearly Lamar Jackson is back to full health and he looks great. 
Now we could probably make this one pretty quick, at least on the Jacksonville side. Minshew yeah. is back, which is exciting for you know fantasy, I guess. I know he's got a lot of allure uh, to him. But other than James Robinson, who's the RB4 on the season, if you haven't been paying attention for some reason or didn't actually uh, pick him up, he is the RB4 on the season. Very incredible. DJ Chark or anybody else on this offense is my question. Start Robinson, question mark everybody else against Baltimore. Now for Baltimore, it's start Lamar, start Andrews. I think Dobbins is automatic at this point, unless you're stacked at running back. And then I'm still worried about, you know, like Gus Edwards, you're not playing, but Marquise Brown, hit or miss. He caught an accidental game-winning touchdown that frankly should have been a Lamar Jackson run. The Cleveland defenders came up, Lamar spotted it, threw it over the top. Marquise got his touchdown, but he's been pretty much unusable outside of some broken plays this year. And Baltimore's defense is a smash. Jacksonville, Baltimore, take it away. So Marquise Brown is out because uh, of COVID. So he's not even in an option this week. So I think that really does help okay. us. Also. My, so. my, mis- my mistake. <laughs> I didn't have the update. I know he was, I knew he was um, questionable be- with the close contact, but he is officially out. That's my bad, but he is officially out. Okay, cool. Thank you for covering that. Yeah, so I think that really helps uh, for this game. I think Ravens, it's Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews is a great play. Even last last week, they barely threw the ball. He still got five reception. He accounted for over 40% of the passing game production last week. So that kind of usage is going to be helpful for him, especially with no Marquise Brown. I think you could definitely roll with Mark Andrews, of course, because of his name, but also because of the matchup. Now, J.K. Dobbins versus Gus Edwards, I just think it's great news that Mark – Mark Ingram is no longer involved. He is not getting touches, um, and that's good news for fantasy. So I think J.K. Dobbins, like you said, we're playing those three guys. We're rolling with them. On the other side of the football, listen, James Robinson, it's going to be tough to get away from him, but we're starting to see him slow down a little bit. Last week, he didn't get to find the end zone. He also didn't get a lot of uh, passing game usage. He did have four receptions, but only for 16 yards. The good news is they're going to have to throw a lot. So that's the one thing we will say. The Ravens are going to put up points. Um, and I do believe that you're going to see uh, Jacksonville. They dropped back the throw over 50 times last week. So I think that's good news. Now, who beats the, the Ravens is outside receivers. Now, they do have good corners in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. But for some reason, they have been allowing a lot of production. Uh, we just saw Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones have big games, nine receptions for almost 150 yards and a touchdown between those two primary outside guys. So, listen, I just touched on DJ Chark and why he failed against Malcolm Butler. The good news is they don't shadow top wide receivers. And listen, DJ Chark is Gardner Minshew's guy. So if you're if we're in a deeper league, you know you like to talk about deep guys. I think last week he did have nine nine targets. I, I believe that you could probably put him in in flex. So my thing is Malicious Chenault and uh, DJ Chark to me are low-end wide receiver threes in this game. I think Minshew's going to do enough through the air especially because they're going to have to throw at least 40, 40 times in this game because they're going to be trailing most of the afternoon. So I'm okay with starting those guys in deeper leagues. Maybe Chanel just strictly is a PPR play, but I think DJ Chark could be a low end wide receiver three in this matchup. I like it. James Robinson has been limited uh, this week with a knee injury. It seems that it's, I don't know if it's a knee injury. I think they just have to designate something. I think it's more that he's just got a, a shit toe to work this, this season and, and they need to just kind of rest him. Um, I, I can't imagine sitting him unless you're stacked, but uh, he is going against the Ravens who looked much better. However, it's not really fair to com- you know, compare him to Nick Chubb and 
Kareem Hunt from last week, but the Browns were able to move the ball just fine through the air and on the ground with their running backs. So uh, I think James Robinson's fine, but if you had other big time running backs, I think you could look uh, another way this week if you have to. Okay. Two more games, man, new England Patriots and the Miami dolphins, excuse me. The Patriots come in at six and seven dolphins, eight and five rookie quarterbacks are seven and 21 versus bill Belichick as a head coach, seven and 21. We saw, Bill Belichick and the Patriots destroy the eventual rookie of the year, Justin Herbert, just a couple of weeks ago for, I think he had four standard fantasy points in ESPN leagues, but in other leagues that have higher sacks or whatever, he had negative fantasy points. I don't expect Tua to have a a decent game in this one at all. Personally for new England, Cam Newton, in my opinion, is basically a super flex option only at this point, he's getting in on the ground, but not through the air. So he just doesn't have that volume or the upside. Any running back at this point uh, is my question mark. Any receiver at this point, just because I'm not sure we know how to pick them. And then the New England DST is really the only one I'm confident about against, again, rookie quarterback Tua Tungabailoa with Bill Belichick and his number. For the Miami side, Parker looks to be out in this game. I'm not playing Tua. Mike Kosicki's beat up after an incredible game last week. Are there any running backs you can trust? This one's kind of ugly for fantasy, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually, in my notes, I literally wrote down just run games. So when I'm looking at this game from a passing game, I mean, listen, when you're dealing with Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson and company in the secondary, and you're going to deal with a bunch of backup wide receivers, I'm not interested. I think the Pats defense to me is kind of the, one of the best streamer defenses of the week. Um, like you just touched on their great history with against the, uh, rookie quarterbacks. Now, the one thing I will say is, the one guy that kind of in the passing game, I would say of both teams. Now I'm pretty much probably fading everybody. The cornerbacks in this game are way too good. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. I'm not excited on the Patriots side either, but the one guy that does kind of make me a little interested is Lynn Bowden. So Bowden had seven receptions for 82 yards last week um, against the Kansas city chiefs with um, Parker out. He also plays a lot on the slot. So he will avoid those top corners on the outside so I do think Lynn Bowden in a PPR format could All right, y'all. Sorry about that. I think we lost Bobby Lamarco and, and dropped off. So I apologize for the 30 second pause um, uh, in the in the break of silence. Look like we lost connection. It is the uh, digital world with everybody on Wi-Fi these days. So I'm going to finish this one up. He was mentioning Lynn Bowden, who actually is very interesting because he's going to have wide receiver uh, eligibility as well in most leagues. So take a look at Lynn Bowden. He's really the only option that I'm bringing in. Bobby agrees. Um, again, I'm not starting Cam Newton, the running backs for the Patriots, if I don't have to, a receiver if I don't have to. Um, and I do like the New England DST. 
Parker's most likely out. I'm sitting Tua. I play Gasicki if he's active because he's a tight end, but otherwise I'm not really anxious about that. And then, uh, or excited, I should say, maybe I am anxious about Gasicki. And then uh, Lim Bowden for the Miami uh, Dolphins. I'll speed it up here and just get through the Chicago-Minnesota game myself here. And uh, let's see if we can get Bobby in real quick. Hello, hello. Can you hear me all right? Hey, man. Oh, yeah, we're there. Um, no worries. Uh, let's just jump right back in, man. I did uh, wrap up the rest of that game there. We lost you. No big deal. Um, let's jump into the next one. I covered Lim Bowden and uh, the rest of that game. Let's get through the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, we can wrap it up for today. Okay. Um, the Bears are coming in again. They've kind of turned into a pumpkin, as we expected. The Vikings have been playing well. Um, but in some tough losses, got kind of embarrassed last week by Tampa Bay. Chicago, you start David Montgomery. He's been incredible. We know about the playoff schedule. It stays uh, um, uh, delicious this week versus the Vikings. You start Allen Robinson, absolute target monster, finally getting some touchdowns. Question about Miller, Mooney, and deeper leagues. Do you trust Trubisky? Nice streaming option, potentially. Nice streaming option, potentially. Cole Komet or... Jimmy Graham, do you like either one of them? Uh, and then on the other side, you start, obviously, Dalvin Cook. Um, how do you feel about Cousins, the receivers? I, I can't see you getting away from Thielen and Jefferson, per se, but the Bears are very good in the secondary. Irv Smith seems to be a smash um, tight end stream, at least, with Rudolph out. How do you feel about the Vikings and the Chicago Bears? Just want to double-check. You can hear me all right, right? Yes, sir. Go ahead. All right. So, yeah, so when I'm looking at this game, uh, Chicago and actually Minnesota are actually very low dropback teams. They see a lot of, don't see a lot of dropbacks on defense on both sides. And they're also Minnesota, especially is more of a run funnel defense. So when I look at that, I'm like, I, that makes me very excited for a guy like David Montgomery. I think because of how he's playing the way he's looked over the last few weeks, I'm still rolling with him. Now, other, other than him, I, I think Allen Robinson to me, listen, Minnesota doesn't have a top corner on their, on their te- on their defense. So I think Allen Robinson is still a must start. We're not worried about him and David Montgomery, but I don't think you can really branch out much outside of that. I think last week, Jimmy Graham got the touchdown. Uh, it gets very cloudy with Cole Komet, even though he is running a lot more routes, but Jimmy Graham is still involved. I don't think this is the matchup where you're going to see a lot of pass volume in a big, big game for both these uh, passing games. So I, I'm not really too excited to start anybody outside of the studs. So I think that means Allen Robinson and David Montgomery on the Bears. And for the Vikings, I think it just means Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson on the other side. Listen, the Chicago Bears, even though they haven't seen a lot of dropbacks, they have really sprung a leak over the last few weeks against wide receivers. They have not looked the same as shutting down top wide receivers overall. So I think I'm okay with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in this game. I think they bounce back after a slow performance against Tampa Bay. The one thing that is notable is Kyle Rudolph was ruled out. So that is some good news. That means that Irv Smith could find himself back on the tight end one radar. The Chicago Bears have been very bad against tight ends this season. I mean, even last week against Houston, if Jordan Aikens catches that touchdown in the sun, we're talking about a just a whole other way of viewing the Bears defense. So I think Irv Smith, once again, could be back on the tight end one radar, especially with no Kyle Rudolph. And of course, Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. I think he's going to smash completely. Um, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to have to do much, so I'm not too excited to start QB as a Kirk Cousins as a QB1. So in this matchup, I think it's chalk. I think it's your studs. And I think maybe Irv Smith is that one guy that could be a tight end one on this week. Cole Komet with Jimmy Graham in the picture, but getting seven-plus targets in the last couple of games. 
or Irv Smith with no Kyle Rudolph, but probably only going to get two or three looks. Irv Smith. Irv Smith. You're looking for that touchdown upset. I like it. Bears six and seven, Vikings six and seven. Minnesota has won five of the last seven games. Again, they started one and five. The Bears started five and one. They have basically had opposite seasons since then. All right, man, let's wrap it up quickly. We'll get your picks in and we'll get out of here. TCK Potters, I appreciate you tuning in for a later episode. Again, we have to get this information in. It is week 15. You take your time. You can pause. You do whatever you got to do. But we got to get it in here for week 15. So I appreciate you sticking with us. Bobby, you know the drill, my man. I'm going to give you two teams. You give me the winner. A quick update on our uh, standings. Great week for everybody across the board. Uh, we had a lot of different picks through the four of us. Me, you, Lucas, and Dweez. But I went 11-5. and five. Lucas went 12-4. and four. You went 11-5. and five. Dweez went 12-4. and four. Great week for everybody. Lucas still on top, 121-68. to 68. You're right behind him at 119 and 70. Dewey's behind you, 118 and 71. And I am in the cellar at 114 and 75. I have to say, though, all five of us being over 114 uh, correct answers, um, picks uh, so far is pretty impressive. All right, Bobby. So you went with the Raiders on Thursday night. I did get that pick from you. That was an L to start. But let's get into the rest of your uh, Sunday early matchups here. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner, Houston, Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis. All right. Frisco, Dallas, San Francisco. I'm going to go with my boys as well. Seattle, Washington, Seattle. I'm going to go with Washington. I'll take the upside on the road. Detroit at Tennessee, Tennessee. I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. Tampa Bay at Atlanta, Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay as well. Jacksonville, Baltimore, Baltimore. I'm going to go Baltimore as well. New England and Miami. New England. New England. I like it. The rest of us going with Miami. Uh, Minnesota and Chicago. This game is in Minnesota. Mm. Minnesota. Minnesota. I like it. Bobby, always a pleasure, man. I know we had a little bit of a hiccup there just a few minutes ago. Not a big deal. We got it in a little bit of a longer episode. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I hope you have more success in week 15. Get into the, the finals. Get that hashtag tck pod title i appreciate you man this is episode 328 in the books coming up next chris benavides and lucas case are breaking down the week 14 recap of the tck listener league week 15 preview for the semifinals always a pleasure for my man bobby lamarco aka fantasy football x factor i'm your host sky guasco and we are out of here thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.